Hey everyone, in this episode, we're gonna discuss current snapshot and what forbearance is doing. So let's get into it. Hey everyone, I'm sitting here with Joe Brown. He is uh, on our team, the Tom J. Krieger team, as our marketing director. So Joe stopped in today to help work with me. Matt is out, believe it or not, trying to sell property in our marketplace right now. It is kind of crazy because our inventory, currently we only have about 1,050 homes on the market. And normally at this time, in a normal market, we'd have about 6,600 homes. So what we're seeing in, in the market today is is that there is a lot of pressure on the buyers. They've got to come in with great offers. They've got to usually be overpriced. And sometimes they got to give away some concessions, like maybe the appraisal isn't going to be a big issue on a financed one, especially on a cash purchase. We're not going to see it's subject to appraisals on a very well-priced property. And it's not unheard of to see an offer on a property being in competition with about 10 to 12 other offers. It is that kind of crazy in our market right now. So that's where Matt is. Um, I wanna get in with Joe. Joe's got a couple questions he wants to ask me and we're gonna do this give and take a little bit here. So Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, grateful yeah, no, to have you here. Thank you, Nat. Normally I'm behind the cameras uh, yep. doing this stuff. So. Um, you know, Matt's not being a bum. I'm, uh, I'm in here yeah. covering for him. Yep. So, um, now with the current market, I, I know, um, you're talking about multiple offers. I wanted to ask you about, uh, new builds in that regard. Have you seen, have you seen any changes as far as new builds gone, um, historically and, and, uh, making offers on a, on a new construction purchase? Well, you know, Joe, I've been doing this for 40 years and I've seen everything there is under the book. What we're seeing now is very interesting. Just very recently in April, okay, we're starting to see builders go out to auctions. And a lot of people go, what in the blazes is an auction? So they're eBay now, basically. Yeah, almost <laughs> like eBay, right? So here's what an auction is. They're going to give you a website if you're interested in a development, okay? And then they're going to say, on Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to open up the bidding for the lot. So a lot may come available at $50,000, right? And that's the starting point. So, you know, like if you're at Christie's or something like that, where they're doing the auctions, you start out at $50,000 and you can bid above 50000 as high as you want. Sometimes people are going 10000 15000 25000 above the lot. The highest bidder for the lot then has the opportunity to meet with the builder. They win, in essence, the initial bid. They meet with the builder. They'll sit down with the builder. They'll discuss what floor plan they want to build or what model they want to build, and then the upgrades. And now what we're also seeing in, and this is very interesting, and people really need to pay attention to this, the builders are limiting the upgrades because what's happening is because they're paying so much for the lots and then the house base price is fixed and then they're adding so much on the upgrades, the appraisals aren't coming in. Mm. So the builders are being smart in one way. A lot of people think they're greedy. In a little way they are. I mean, we're a profit. People have to make profit, right? Sure. But what we're seeing is the builders self-discipline themselves when it comes to allowing the buyer to 
overprice the home for the marketplace. So the builders are putting in restrictions to prevent the buyer from, in essence, having to come to closing with no mo- or with more money because it won't appraise. Sure. So those are some of the things we're seeing in new build. Although don't let that discourage you because not every builder is doing that. Okay. It's just the it's usually just the low priced end builders like what we're going to call the entry level type of builders. Yeah. Now, in a, an average builder that's, that we're dealing with in, in the Tucson market, and I think in general across the United States, they're limiting the amount of homes they're releasing to. Now, I was around in 2006 and 2007 where people from California would come in and buy 10 lots, start the build process. Property values were increasing so much, they sold their contracts to the buyers and they were making 20, 30, 40, $50,000 on selling the contract a month before closing. Interesting. They're not allow, They're really not allowing that to happen anymore. Sure. So in some of the places we're building, you're seeing agents go in there and putting their name down on a list. And it's usually first come, first serve that ends up getting that. So that's what we're seeing new construction. They're not allowing overbuilding and since the pandemic has slowed down a little bit, we're not seeing as much slowing of the labor force in the construction of the building. In other words, when one person on a crew gets sick, mm-hmm. they're shutting them down for 14 days, right? Yep. We're not seeing that anymore right now. doesn't mean it won't come back, sure. but currently that's where we're at. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that answers that. So so in, in with that... Um, I, I've seen a lot of uh, a big rise in lumber costs. You know, Shido SB used to cost under ten bucks, and and now they're they're close to forty. You know, so um, how does that affect new construction? Will will prices rise within that? Or so what we're seeing introduced into the market now are called these pricing addendums. So when you are fortunate enough to be the person picked to have a lot to build a house on. When you're signing the contract, there's a, a what we call an escalation rider or, or addendum in our industry. We call it an addendum. Mm-hmm. And that rider says that the builder, if lumber prices rise, can raise the price by as much as $10,000. Now, each builder is different. Some of them I've seen like $4,600. One, one of the current ones I've seen, because I'm building right now with the builder too myself, is that they could raise, they could raise the price by $10,000 from its original price, okay, gotcha. its base price. And that's because they can't project the lumber market. Now, there's a lot of opinions about is it greed, is it corrupt or whatever. I don't know. I'm not getting down that road. Yep. The only thing I do know is that lumber prices are going up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They can be a slippery slope getting into that one. Yes, um, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so you are getting a new New construction Absolutely. home built currently. Yeah. Um, that's supposed to be done in, by the end of this year. Is that right? Yeah, about September fifteenth this winter. Gotcha. Projecting. Gotcha. Well, that's exciting. Providing Congra- nobody gets sick, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Or lumber prices don't go so high. Yeah, they'll yeah. be through the roof here. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows where we're headed? But um, so, so with all that pressure um, that's happening with with the inventory um, currently, both in in resale and, and even new construction, um, what's kind of happening with with interest rates and and you know what what are what are buyers and even sellers kind of looking at right now? So a lot of people don't realize how the interest rate for a mortgage is affected. 
Okay, what causes it to go up? What causes it to go down? Most likely, it's tied into the ten-year bond. And I'm not a financial advisor, but I, you know, I know some things. So the ten-year bond used to be at point uh, six. Okay, right now it's one point six eight as we are speaking. So interest rates from a year ago were two point seven one percent. Currently, today's rate is three point three five percent. So oh. interest rates have gone up. Now that's on a thirty year fixed. If you're looking like a fifteen year, the numbers on that are two point six seven five for the current fifteen year, and a year ago it was one point nine nine. Wow. So even in the shorter terms, it's starting to affect interest rates. And what's I, I think people need to be aware of, they're not jumping up to four and a half, five, six, seven, or it's eight. It's a slow okay? increase. It's going to be a slow increase. So gotcha. I suggest people take action now if they want to buy, their, buy a house and or sell their house. Okay, Because as interest rates go up, Joe, you know, People only really realize how much can I afford per month. Yep. So I'll pay a million dollars for your house if you can get me a payment that fits within my parameters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or if the interest rates are high, I'm not going to pay a million dollars for that house. I'm going to pay 500000 because that's all I can afford per month. Yep. So interest rates really do affect the pricing of homes based upon the buyer, the consumer, how much they can pay per month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... That you know, that's that's interesting. I think to to um, most people buying a home, they they may not understand what that that percentage means. They understand the lower the number, the lower that they would have to pay monthly. Um, but as these costs rise, um, could you give an example of what that might look like? You know, for for an easy mortgage, like two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, what what would that um, roughly? And I know I'm maybe putting you on the math spot here, but um, yeah. what what would that sort of look like between uh, last year and, and this year's current interest rates? So I think based upon, and again, this is what we call an educated guesstimate. Sure, okay? sure. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. Yeah, that, if that you were that. looking at per month, all right, that's all you were looking at is the qualifier for what you buy, and rates have gone from 2.71 to uh, 2 point, I'm sorry, 3.35, you're probably going to have to start paying for that two hundred thousand dollar house. You're going to have to start looking for a one seventy five. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Now here's the other thing. This is the other caveat here. Good luck. One seventy five in this market. Yeah, but right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the other caveat. Yeah. You, know, you know, we're out there and people are looking for these houses, and these are the ones that are getting 10, 15, 20 offers on. They're asking for, you know, they're asking for you to waive home inspections. They're asking for you to take the appraisal out. They're asking for you to maybe bid over what the list price was. Yeah, yeah. The other aspect is, is that a $200,000 house a year ago currently is probably selling for 250 right now. Sure. People sure. are, you know, looking, it's just a lack of inventory. Yeah. So now the rates go up and the value of the homes are still going up. Those people are, the first time homebuyers are really getting hammered. Yeah, sure, and, sure. And part of that too, Joe, is the fact that people are coming in with cash. Yep. We have a lot of cash buyers, okay? And they're not they're not from here. No, they're not from Tucson. Yeah. No, they're still though through the whole country. There are more cash buyers out there. People are starting to downsize. They're getting out of the big cities because they don't necessarily need to work in Silicon Valley. 
they can live in Utah and still work remotely. They don't need to work downtown New York. Right. They can, you know, move out to the suburbs, have a little bit more space, a bigger home, no commute, and the properties are less value currently. Obvi obviously, the pressure is driving them up. Sure, right? sure. Okay. Yeah. So. It's again. It's it's a tough situation. You got to be with a really good real estate agent who understands this kind of market to get you in front if you're buying. Yeah. Now, if you're selling, that's an entire difference. Okay. You're in control of the boat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you know, right now, America, I'm going to tell you, we need listings out here. It's you know, I'm going to say to you, think about selling your house in the peak market right now grabbing all you can as far as a profit yeah. and then utilizing the profit margin to be put as the down payment and then go borrow some more money and maybe get a bigger house for the same dollar value. Sure. That's sure. what's putting a lot of pressure on the markets right now. Sure. Sure. So what you're saying is we need inventory. Um, we need inventory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is a, a definitely a solid time for sellers to think about that um, if they have been, because we're, we're thinking a shift might occur here uh, in the near future. Obviously, we can't predict it um, like it with any market. Um, but we have we have forbearance kind of as an issue kind of occurring right now. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that might be affecting people right now? You know, Joe, it's interesting you bring that up. This is a moving target. OK, this is all run by the politicians. So understand that, America. It's all run by the politicians. They're saying this. And then as they see things happen, they're re-reacting. So as an example, the end of forbearance was supposed to happen at the end of June. OK, now the current information that I have here in, in my paperwork is that they're going to extend this forbearance period until January of 2022 which means people have another seven months in which they're not forced to make their mortgage payments or their rent payments. They're not going to be foreclosed on. But what's happening is that they're building up more and more of a deficit in the amount of money they owe. OK, mm -hmm. so they're not paying the mortgage off and this is building up. We don't know where they're going to go as far as how they're going to allow people to pay the, these mortgages back or the delinquency back. Yeah. Sometimes what they're saying is that. Um, so I'm going to read this right from the uh, borrowers timeline. Every one of the nearly three million borrowers behind on their mortgage should have a chance to explore ways to resume making payments and avoid foreclosure. To make sure borrowers aren't rushed into the for foreclosure market when a potentially unprecedented number of borrowers exit forbearance around the same time this fall and or early spring, the proposed rule that I just talked about would provide a special foreclosure review period that would greatly reduce the pressure coming in. And that forbearance program, again, will start sometime after December 31st of 2021. The, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau is still trying to seek public input on this date and to find out more ways to limit the pressure on the servicing banks for all of these, okay? They're gonna offer certain streamlined loan modifications, but, but again, we need to be cognizant that eventually 2.1 million mortgages and forbearance that are over 90 days delinquent, if they keep going, the current trend will be about 1.7 million loans will come onto the market under a foreclosure at some point in time. 
Wow. Yeah. So, so that if I, I think I, I would believe that the government doesn't want another 2008 to happen. So they, they may uh, be sort of closely monitoring how, how this is going now is their direction um, going to affect mortgage holders directly so that the, their directions are, are basically telling, giving them instructions on how to approach this, right? Yes. So the CFPB also put out guidelines for options for repayment. And this is what people need to, to understand. Currently, right now, your, um, your lender is going to ask you to pay it all in one lump sum, but you don't have to. So that it's, it's not like a balloon payment? No. Where everything's due now, otherwise you're SOL. Exactly. It, okay. Okay. So here's the deal. You can ask the lender, what are the other options you have available? And they have to disclose those to you. Okay. Some of the, I'm not going to bore people with terms, but I'll just give you ideas. Some of them is they take the delinquency that you owe, they add it to the principal that you owe, and they recast the loan out. Okay. Recasting means we take those two numbers, we add them together, and then we divide it by 360 payments. That would be a 30-year recast. They may recast it for the amount of time you have left on your loan. So let's say you're halfway through your loan and you have 15 years left. They may take your delinquents, okay, your forbearance, add it to the principal, and then recast it over 15 years. Gotcha. Okay, that's one yeah. way. Another way is to just put those payments on the back end. So let's say you were fifteen, you're at the 15 year mark, but you had 12 months worth of payments you didn't make. You then would have another 12 months after the end of the 15 years to make those payments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another way they're they're playing with it isn't hard and fast, but another way they're playing is they're looking at changing the interest rates. Okay. Gotcha. So. They'll forgive the delinquent, but they'll adjust the interest rate so they make the delinquency up. Because they're, they're considered a higher risk right. loan. So you're going to pay more at a higher interest rate. Gotcha. The, the bank or the basically the bondholder that holds it will end up receiving their money over a, durated, a, a specific duration of time. Okay? So they're kind of playing around with this. Nothing's hard and fast, but one thing... Currently, as of April 2021, is that you don't have to make all that delinquents up right away. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, um, would you say the the largest uh, mortgage insurance uh, or mortgage bond holder would be Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac? Yes, w- right I would currently. Say, I would say they're the largest. So, so most of this would affect uh, the, what CFPB is putting out affect those those bondholders and and they would overall be the ones who would be uh you would have to negotiate with as as the the homeowner yeah, correct right right but the government's going to put their hand in this because the government created this yeah. and they what you know a lot of people feel the way they want to feel about the federal government but i think what they're trying to do yeah. is they're trying to avoid 2008 and i think you and i've been in the business long enough i think if we if we could go back in time and tell the banks look at do these little modification in the long run it's going to save everybody but hindsight is always 2020 right <laughs> boy yeah. ain't that the truth yeah um so and and now with with the vaccine becoming uh, more red- readily available um, more being made by manufacturers and um 
people feeling generally more comfortable. Uh, I know I'm halfway to my, uh, my vaccination. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I, I get my superpowers here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what does that controlling of COVID kind of look like? I, I feel like that might be the, as the comfort level rises, people might feel more comfortable with uh, buyer, potential buyers coming to their home if they're thinking about selling. Do, do you kind of see that happening right now? Yeah, you know, in our political climate that we have here, and unfortunately we have to talk about it, but there are people that um, are adamant that they don't need to wear masks. There are people that are adamant you do to wear masks. I'm not here to judge. Uh, what I'm here to is a report on that if we have people who are more comfortable with people move, coming into their homes and allowing people to show their homes, we're going to see an increase of homes coming on the market. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Nobody knows for sure how this is all going to go. The tendencies by the states are to release um, the mask regulations as more and more people get inoculated with the... Um, Shots from Moderna or Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, Pfizer, yeah. all of those. Yeah. Um, I think people are going to get more comfortable with allowing people into their home, which means they're going to be more comfortable with putting their houses on the market, which then the domino effect is we're not going to see 8, 10, 12 offers on a property, and we're not going to see the first-time homebuyers get squeezed out like they are right now. It's a shame. It's a shame what's happening in the marketplace right now for first-time homebuyers. Yes. Now, in addition to that, what we're also starting to see are the millennials. They're now starting to get to the point where... I'm in that group, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know yeah. you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be, but I, I, I'm the early millennial, yep. you know, and, and I'm like, I don't get those kids from the 90s, but... Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> not for me to judge. Sure, I'm in the sure, baby yep. boomer deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So where, where we're at right now with the millennials starting to come out, that's putting even more added pressure, okay? Um, so it, it, pressure's coming all over the place on, on causing home prices to rise. Yeah. The only thing I can see that's going to stop the rising of home prices is going to be more inventory on the market and higher interest rates. Yeah. We have to take that blend and slowly introduce it into the marketplace because if we don't, we're going to have a shock. Sure. And we don't want to cause that. Overnight, it would basically shift from a, a seller's market to a buyer's market. And that, exactly. like you're saying, that could cause a, a shock. That's a shock, yeah. And usually when you, we have those types of uh, influences in the marketplace, the shock usually ends up being a negative. Sure. So prices may drop a little. Now, again, we are not going back to 2007, 8, or 9, or 10. Yeah. I will make that clear. I'll say it again. We are not going back there. We're a smarter population in general when it comes to that. The powers to be are, you know, they got burnt once. They're not going to let it happen again. Yep. And people themselves are in a better position now than they were before because back in six, seven, and eight, they were given anybody a loan that could fog up a mirror, sure, right? Sure. Now the the requirements for getting a loan are, are are a little more strict. And what we're seeing is people have more equity in their house than they did back then. We're not seeing these quote quote 80-20 loans where the entire purchase of the house is financed, 80% on a first, 20% on a second, right? Yep. So that yep. at the the value of the property dropped, there was no way to refinance out, right? Yeah. And we're not seeing these crazy balloon uh, adjustable rate mortgages or arms that we have. Sure. We're not seeing any of that too. So I think, I don't think at all we're going to be there. 
people have equity. I think it's like 42% of all America owns homes have no mortgage, okay? Yeah, sure, And that's then great. of the balance of those, and I'm not totally specific, but I know I'm close, about 40% of the balance of those people have about a 50% equity position in the, their home. That's so great. even if the home drops 10%, they could, and they, and they were gonna be foreclosed on, they could sell that property and they could get money for it. They wouldn't have to just turn it back to the bank. Sure. When it, I, I want to bring in an observation that I've seen yeah. is that uh, people are are basically recasting the loan or um, uh, and basically taking money out of their, their property and, and reinvesting it in their house and, and doing some upgrades. Yeah. Uh, and they, they haven't really been interested in selling it. They've been interested in just maintaining and upkeeping and and that also increases your equity position by by doing those deferred maintenance activities and and even um uh you know building out a little bit adding more square footage and things like that so that's a that's a really interesting thing i think that's that i see happening this is just uh you know anecdotal on yeah. my part um but you know, it, going through neighborhoods and and living in a few different neighborhoods, I, I've seen some some sort of evolutions happening, and it's it is good to see that because I think it helps neighborhood values overall as people start to uh, increase value in their home by by reinvesting. Yeah, cosmetic fake slips is what we call those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, every every house has to have it over time. Uh, you know, we we there's a joke in the industry <laughs> that like Home Depot and Lowe's and all those. They're the Botox providers for the homes. <laughs> Make them look younger. That is true. That is true. The thing we have to be careful about, careful about though, is that the homeowner doing it themselves. Yeah. And they go to resell, and then they have the home inspection. And correct. And then the, the home inspector's like, mm, there's some not so great things happening here and here. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's probably something else that that home home sellers uh, or homeowners should be careful with. Yeah, you know, maybe that's another podcast that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, coming from uh, my father, who was a contractor, I got to work with him. So, um, you know, seeing seeing good craftsmanship, I think, is is important when, Absolutely. when selling. So Absolutely. Anyway, another podcast, like you say, yep. we'll save that for another time. Uh, so um, what, what do you think buyers are, would would look like as, as these homes begin to come on the market more and more? Well, I think the... As we get a, a greater inventory onto the market of homes for sale, we're going to stop seeing, as I said, five, six, seven offers. We're going to stop seeing twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars over list price. Um, we're going to stop seeing the pressure on appraisers mm. to justify mm. the appraisal. Okay, yeah. I think th that's going to really make a big dent in um, what we're doing. Sure. Okay, so. To help the first-time home buyer out, maybe we want to encourage people to put their homes on the market. Sure. And also, I hope the lumber prices come back in line where they need to be. Yeah. Because then home builders can start building affordable housing. Even even smaller, uh, like one-shot builders, where yes. you could buy a lot and they can build. Yeah. Rather than builds, yeah yeah, yeah. It, rather than uh, go to a, a build site like with. Uh, KB or or Lennar or some yeah. some big builder like that. Yes, right. Some of the national builders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not we're not promoting KB no. or Lennar. <laughs> They're just people that popped into our heads. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but if they want to send us any incentives, no, I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and uh, and so you know, one thing I've noticed as as a millennial, we we tend to uh, wait a little bit longer. To buy a home, we've we've been more cautious, I think, because we did live through two thousand eight, 
And uh, I see a lot more tiny home activity and, and uh, home living out of a van, you know, sort of lifestyle. Uh, no, I don't think that is maintainable, obviously, as families grow and, um, and things like this. But I believe the older millennials like myself are finally, you know, in their early 30s, late 20s. Um, I'm not going to say exactly where I'm at, but, um, you know, we have more interest in buying buying a home and more interest in because of covid has sent them to to have to have a home office and have to have all of these uh certain things and, and even uh plants and gardening has become big in our generation um so it i feel like that is changing a lot of uh the buying patterns as far as um the these new buyers coming up on the market and they are the largest buying pool right yes they, they've overtaken us baby boomers because <laughs> we're dying off <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're somewhere around like 30 percent i think is yeah is that right yeah 30 yeah. i think you're like 32 or 33 percent and we're like 29 percent okay the so baby boomers, kind of like neck that. and yeah. neck almost now we're uh, our numbers are always subject yeah. to change. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. But in general, yeah. you know, we're giving you kind of outlines here. Yeah. You know, you know, Joe, you said this about the millennials and that, but and in addition, I'm seeing is the research that millennials do, along with the concept of maybe we should be looking at generational housing, yeah. where we can take care of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Because as adults, we're living longer. So grandma and grandpa are living a lot longer than they used to. Yep. Mom and dad are living a lot longer than they used to. And we're starting to see the concept of generational building by the builders and not only the big um, production builders, but also the independent builders. Yep. And municipalities are starting to look at, do we need to change zoning specifically for generational build or generational building or housing. So Joe, I'd like to kind of wrap this up. Okay. On this podcast, we've talked a lot about a lot of things I, in wrapping it up. The bottom line, here's the deal. We need more homes on the market so that first time home buyers can buy an affordable house. Okay. COVID is slowly going away. We're hopefully towards the end of this year, going to have this in the rear view mirror far enough that we don't see it. Okay. Um, Hopefully lumber prices will start to calm down and builders will start to be able to produce more affordable housing. And we as a population can get more on track with trying to better society. And the last thing I want to leave you with is that we as real estate agents care about the population and we want to keep you from spending too much money on your house when you're buying and we want to represent you properly when you're selling to get you into a better place. That's across the board. Yeah. Yeah. So on our next podcast, we're going to talk about buying your first rental property or investment property. So tune in next time. See you then. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the Nitty Gritty podcast. If you have any questions about buying, selling, investing, or even getting your real estate license, please give us a call or reach out to us. Our info is in the description.